welcome in to another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and as usual, I am joined by my best friend and co-host, Skinny, who, on our last episode, celebrated his 51st birthday. Skinny, say hello to the people as you wade through your 52nd year of life, my friend. (laughs) Hey, everybody. I don't know what you mean by waiting. Why am I waiting through? I probably would be up to my ears, I think, at this point in my life. Um, but thank you for another belated shout-out of my birthday. I think I've gotten enough attention. I'm good. You do. Well, because we've been doing a lot of these over the summer, your birthday gets a lot of attention, whereas mine is comfortably buried in the winter months. So <laughs> no need to do too much celebrating on my much younger age Um, So we are here. This is episode 10. This is the final episode of season two, Skinny. Man, what a season we have had. We have talked about just an absolute ton of great music, had a lot of laughs along the way. On our last episode, episode nine, we actually recorded live in Atlantic City. Skinny stubbed me down on the previous night's show was the first night of Fish's Atlantic City run. They played three nights on the beach there, August 13th, 14th, and 15th. So Skinny stubbed me down on the show from Friday, August 13th, which was really cool. We got to talk about a show that we had just seen the night before. It was a little bit interesting because we didn't really get to fully listen to the whole show back. I didn't have too much time to nerd out and do my stats thing, but it was still awesome to talk about that show, which was a lot of fun. A lot of heavy hitters, some great tight jams, and I mean, come on. We were standing on a beach next to the Atlantic Ocean in Atlantic City with 38 or 40,000 other people, and it was just so much fun, man. That first set, they opened with a cars, trucks, and buses, little nod to New Jersey there, solid bag and blaze on. Wolfman's Brother was really good. They closed that first set with Sand. The second set had a monster tweezer into Bathtub Gin. Everything's Right, Possum, 2001 Hood. So a lot of heavy hitters in that show. Of course, we recorded that episode on your birthday, as I mentioned. So a lot of fun up in Atlantic City overall, too. Did you enjoy yourself up there, man? I did. I felt like the entire run was this first set run. The first sets up there were amazing. Not that the second set, you know, did. I mean, they, you know, they did a drowned. They did what's the second night? You know, the tweezer bathtub. There was so much music in three days. Like, yeah, you're going to see three days of concerts. There's so much music. I know. It's an astounding analysis for me, <laughs> yet again about fish. But we did have a, a wonderful time up there, and I felt like when we were on the beach, it was pretty spaced out. I was so glad that we had. Some old friends we'll talk about with us. Saw a lot of people up there, if only for a brief time. Got to see Brian from Attendance Bias, if only for a brief time. So it was really cool. There's a lot of people up there, man. And AC is not like, it's not a destination spot, you know, for me. We were saying up there, it's like, sorry to offend anybody. It's the pigeon of beaches along the East Coast. (laughs) However, it was spaced out and it was great. And the towers were everywhere and the screens. It it was fish, man. It It was a lot of fun. I won't take any offense to you knocking my home state of New Jersey, although Atlantic City is not a preferred spot for most of the folks that are from New Jersey. It was interesting too, Skinny, you know, obviously 
still in the midst of this pandemic. And it was interesting to see how many people were there. Fish has changed up their COVID protocols moving forward. So for the second leg of this summer tour and then into the fall, those guidelines, if you will, were not in place for the shows in Atlantic City. So there was a little concern, I guess, about COVID. We did have plenty of space each of the nights. We had our own spot to dance. Concession lines were a little bit insane. Megan and I waited on Friday night for, God, what seemed like 45 minutes to get one round of drinks. And that was it. That was the only thing I bought was that round of beers that first night. And the rest of the time, we brought a couple of things in and spent most of the time drinking water on the beach, which was probably the smarter move anyway. I guess when I'm, I guess I'm getting a little bit older, getting a little bit wiser. And ah, okay. So, cause we did the same thing. I was like, I'm tired of paying $6,000 for a freaking beer. Not to mention the fact, even on Sunday, I was like, ah, I'll go get one. And I, I forget what I missed on Sunday. I missed like the, the butt end of the first set. Maybe I came back would they close the Sunday night with Yam or something? I don't know. I don't have a set list. Yeah, that me. was the first. They closed the Sunday night's first set with Yam. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I got back for that, but I, I missed, like, two other songs. I mean, you could hear them. That's the thing. I was still there. And I'll say this, too, before I get called out on it. We walked out on the encore every night. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, you could hear it all the way up. So... I didn't really walk out on it. I just wanted to beat the mob scene, and we were trying to be a little bit safe. And I keep thinking to myself, please, that people were out there were vaccinated, but, you know, you can't be – that's a guess. You know, that's so a guess. So. It is. I tried to keep masked up when I was moving through the crowd, going to the bathroom. But you can only be so careful, really, and you just never know. But, I mean, what a great weekend overall. If you missed episode nine, go back and check that out because that was a lot of fun to talk about a show that we had just seen. It was still fresh in our minds. We might have even still been a little bit groggy from the night before when we recorded that. So episode nine, a lot of fun to do. And, uh, hey, man, you know, it was just cool to be at a show. It was our first fish show together in a year and a half. So just being with you, being with Amy, being with the rest of the crew was was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. Yeah. I had so much fun. I will say, too, the funniest thing that happened musically was after Saturday night's show, we walked into the Hard Rock, and they had like a Van Halen redo. Man, they looked like them and stuff, dude. They were doing stuff off a of Diver Down. So we couldn't even get a beer. It was really crowded. But Diamond Dave, or the guy that was playing him, was like in the audience, like dancing on tables. It was such a weird scene. That's awesome. I'm sorry I missed that. I think Megan and I had stopped to get some pizza along the boardwalk there. But yeah, there it, there was just a lot of stuff to take in overall in Atlantic City with all of us hippies around. I probably had at least four White House subs, which my waistline was not very appreciative of but man they're just so fucking good so, yeah we ate a half every night we yeah, got back yeah. i got a sack of those things yeah <laughs> well so um we are here this is episode 10 as i said this is our last episode of our second season i can't believe we've made it this far to be honest with you but it's been so much fun we've learned a lot today is going to be special this is going to be up there with 
my dad with B-Man. We have with us today a very special guest. We've been fortunate to have some new friends join us over the course of the season. We had Brian from Attendance Bias join us. We had Craig and Carrie from The Lot by Primal Soup, our great partners. They joined us in uh, a two-part episode, episode six. So those were some new friends. Today, we welcome in an old friend. He's a brother. He's a tour buddy. He's somebody that we have mentioned frequently here on Stub Me Down. You've heard stories about him. It gives us great pleasure to welcome Jason O'Neill, affectionately referred to as J.O., to Stub Me Down. J.O., thank you so much for being here, man. We are so excited to have you. We've been talking about you for two years now, and we thought having you on the last episode of this season was just the perfect way to finally get you in and bring you onto the show. So thanks for being here, man. Well, hey now, thanks for having me. It's good to be here with you guys. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Thanks for coming in, and and this is going to be a really good time. I'm really excited for today. Yeah, so J.O. is a longtime friend of ours. I've known Jason since about 2000. Skinny and Jason have known each other for another 10, 12 years beyond that. So they have a Grateful Dead connection. When J.O. and I met, we fast became friends because of music, not unlike how Skinny and I became friends. J.O. has been... God, pretty much with us for every one of the shows that we've done here on Stummy Down in one fashion or another, whether it was the Grateful Dead shows that you've stubbed me down on or some of the Fish shows after 2003. He was at the Greensboro show that Billy stubbed us down on in the first season, and that was actually the first Fish show that we saw with J.O. So it's really cool to be here I'm just so excited that the three of us are sitting here doing this. Let's just jump right in. Um, Jason, you're a huge Grateful Dead fan. That is the one thing that if I had to play word association with you, Jason, Grateful Dead. Is that where you got your start listening to music, going to see live shows? Was there other stuff you were listening to before you started listening to the Grateful Dead? Give us a little bit of a background about your musical evolution. Well, having an older brother, which you guys have spoke of many times, Joe, you know, growing up with him, he was four years older than me, and his first Grateful Dead concert was in was Brent's fourth show, actually, in uh, 1979 at the Baltimore Civic Center. So growing up, you know, traveling around in the car with mom and everything, we'd be just listening to Grateful Dead tapes all the time, but there was all kinds of music involved. It's just, you know, we started getting into the dead, just driving around, listening to tapes, in the car with my brother. And that's one thing that I very distinctly remember from Joe is that he loved the Grateful Dead probably more than anything musically, but he also saw every single possible act that you could ever see. I remember working with him and the Muzak would come on in the in the restaurant and it would be Steely Dan. It would be The Who. It would be what name a band from the late 70s, 80s. Joe had seen them. So you probably had a really good musical education as a result of that. Is that fair to say? Definitely. He had a very large record collection that I dove into head first. You know, and I've been to a bunch of different concerts with different artists also. But you always come home. You always yeah. come home to the Grateful Dead. Definitely. Well, and I 
think when J.O. and I met, we identified with each other because my brother is four years older than me. And so he was listening to different stuff. I mean, I remember one of the best albums I ever pulled from his vinyl collection back then was uh, Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. Highly underrated album today. Like, listen, kids, you want to get into rock and roll, go listen to that. Songs are catchy. They're almost poppy, but they're so brilliantly done. That's what, like, my older brother was starting. Plus, like, Kiss. Alice Cooper was huge back then. <laughs> I remember he had, like, even the vinyl of The Knack. Remember, <laughs> remember the knack, dude. Da, 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 da. So, Jo and I met in 1989 during the Fells Point Festival. They were going to see Hampton, uh, the Warlocks' famous show. So, we joke about that all the time. I wound up working the rest of the whole weekend. Those guys were leaving on Sunday to go see the Warlocks, and you know that's just a big miss. So, we all, Jo and I always had that joking with each other. Ah but I saw the Warlocks, you know what I mean? Which is a pretty big badge of honor back then. But I was just out of high school and J.O. was too. And you know, you're just trying to find your way and I was working down at Fells Point. So there were opportunities definitely missed. But after meeting J.O., I had already known Joe. And so then we all started going to see stuff together, summer tour or like if there was a fall or spring show. Joe's wife, Denise, I was out in Louisville. She parked right next to us. Weird stuff like that would happen where we were all really super connected to the music, the scene, and traveling around seeing them. Even if I didn't happen to see a show like the famed Warlocks or whatever, there'd be something that I went to, or we started going together a lot. So we became really close, and we had a group of friends down at Fells Point, bartenders, waiters, whatever job you were doing at that point. And we're still pretty close, and Joe was one of those guys, too. Well, you can't see them all, but I know that these guys always ribbed you a little bit on the Warlocks Hampton 89 Dark Star, which I think we referred to in a previous episode when we, we did a Hampton show. Jason, you were... <laughs> I think it's interesting. You saw your first fish show before either me or Skinny. Your first fish show was November 22nd, your birthday, 1995, at the U.S. Air Arena in Landover, Maryland. I looked this up and I actually listened to a couple of songs from this. And I don't know when the last time you listened to this show was. It's been a while. But they opened the show with Cars, Trucks, and Buses. Huh. That's super interesting. Yeah. Isn't that? I thought that. Yeah. That was funny because I thought my first one was in Atlantic City. So I didn't even know that. Well, I knew it wasn't my first one. I thought it was interesting that they opened a show, and then you know, you're saying in 95 they did it. I was like, I'd never seen one open. Yes. You know? So some statistics there. Uh, Wilson, Run Like an Antelope, Fluffhead, Uncle Pen, Cavern, Taste That Surrounds, The Lizards, Sample in a Jar, Sweet Adelaine. The second set was Rift, Free, Llama, Bouncing Around the Room, You Enjoy Myself, and Strange Design, and they encored with a poor heart and a Frankenstein. So... It's actually not a bad show. There's on Fishnet, the Run Like an Antelope actually has a jam chart. So it's actually a pretty good version of Antelope. I I would love for you to go back and listen to that and and give your viewpoint from this perspective. But the interesting thing here is that you saw Fish in 95, but then you didn't see him again until we grabbed you and took you down to Greensboro in... March of 2003, March 1st, 2003, at the Greensboro Coliseum. So that's an eight-year gap. Yeah, well, at the time, I was really hardcore a 
deadhead, and Jerry died in '95. Before this, right before the show, not, I mean, a couple of months before. Yes, three months, yeah. And I really, I just didn't get the groove at the time. I didn't really feel it. And I was just like, eh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I was pigeonholed into the Grateful Dead a lot. So that span that I didn't go to show any fit shows, I was going to a lot of other shows, mostly Grateful Dead related, Phil and Friends, Rat Dog, The Dead, you know, all that kind of stuff. All those iterations, yeah, the other ones further. Right. Yeah. And I saw, like, you know, a show on every tour they did for that. So I was seeing, I was still seeing live music. I just didn't hop on the train yet. Sure. Well, and we saw, we saw a bunch of Grateful Dead related. We were seeing a lot of Phil and Friends before you got kind of back on the fish train. We talked about the uh, November 17th, 2001 show. That was a show that I stubbed Skinny Down on in the first season of Stub Me Down. J.O. was at that show. He has seen a lot of these shows with us, as I've mentioned. So once he got on the fish bus, then that was really cool. There had always been that, oh, we're going to go see Grateful Dead related. This is, you know, DSO was playing or Bobby is playing or or Phil or whatever. And then it was like, oh, you don't want to, you want to go see fish. And he was kind of like, eh. And then when they came back from the hiatus, he said, yeah, uh, I'm in. And it's kind of been downhill from there, I guess. Right, Skinny? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, I remember that Greensboro show because I was with J.O. and we were all the way up in the rafters. And it's where the term happy hour was coined. Because right in front of us, it was like pre-Tinder meeting. Like all these people from the office were like getting together and like exchanging numbers and talking about like Mindy from accounting. It was fucking, it was ridiculous, dude. You know, so we, we wound up moving or whatever, and that was a really good show, but it was good to have kind of Jason there because we had been to so many shows and, you know, we got to see the glow sticks be dumped over the corner of the upper deck. It was crazy, crazy. You should go back and listen to that, but that was kind of like, oh, it's cool to have J.O. on this ride, too. Definitely. So, J.O., you were pretty solid from 03. Obviously, the band broke up in 2004. They came back in 09 we're seeing especially anything that came local we traveled to festival eight in california you know and then you were fully on but in 2019 you opted not to see any shows they played what they played camden that year right we went out to st louis yeah and i did then we went we met up at camden we didn't see the sunday night but we were there for the first two megan and i went up to boston to see him at fenway there were there were some shows around charleston was fun yeah, you went, went to Charleston, Charleston in 2019, and then obviously the New Year's run in 2019 was really good. And the New Year's run is usually something that you're up for. So what kept you away in 2019? I don't know. I just was taking a break. I, um, my friend has some small children that I really am very close to. I love those little critters. And I was just hanging out with them and, you know, I just taking a little break. I mean, I was paying attention to, you know, I was listening to the shows and I think got a couple couch tours. So, But I was paying attention to just... I don't know. I just didn't didn't feel it at the time. If you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. You know what I mean? I think we've all been in that spot. What is it, though, about this live music experience? And your excitement when we got to Hershey was palpable. I knew you were just so amped to be there. You got to see five shows in seven days, which is pretty cool. What is it about that experience that kind of pulls you in, brings you back time after time after time? I love to dance, so I love, you know, the spontaneity, 
I love to spin around and dance and flail around and just go crazy. I mean, I, it's something I really like to do. That, you know, and I could do it to that music. It's just wonderful. Yeah, we have a little bit of a dancing crew, I would think, between the three of us and then, you know, you add in all the ladies and stuff. <laughs> we can we can dominate a space. Oh, yeah, I like to, you know, I like to get in the hallways with those crazy freaks out there and get it going a little bit with them. So, it's just something I really like to do. Yeah, I was really tired after Atlantic City. <laughs> Dude, I don't have the same sea legs, as it were, that I used to for all that. Like, I, I know you like to dance. I do, too. I think that's kind of, like, why I see them, too. I, philosophically, I just want to get my groove on and shit. <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple, man. You just want to put it down, and, you know, I, I appreciate that about you. I think we are kind of like that. You know, what are you there for if you're just standing around? Well, it's not James Taylor. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the dancing aspect of it is kind of a release right you can kind of let go of everything else and you, it's just you and the music at that point you know and whether it's the Grateful Dead whether it's Fish or any iteration or side project there's a reason this mute this particular music keeps pulling us back and maybe it's jams that we find Skinny and I have talked on a couple of occasions about like well what are you chasing we're not necessarily chasing songs anymore, but we're chasing maybe a jam. We're chasing something different for the band to do with a song. There's always those surprises. The dancing aspect of it, I think, really is that physical connection between us and the music when you can just, you know, kind of let go and, and let it wash over you. And I think that that's a really important part of what going to these shows is all about. I agree. Yeah, man, I mean, it's expression, right? They're up there expressing to us, and then we feed off that expression and kick it right back. So there's a lot of reciprocity when it comes to, especially this band and the Grateful Dead, and a lot of that music for everybody. You know, we don't, comparison, we're just not doing that here, because I don't think it's necessary to understand how people appreciate that. I always see that on Twitter. Everybody just shut up and dance, <laughs> right? Well said. It just makes it a little bit easier for me going to see a show if I go in with no expectations except to rage and have fun. So, I mean, I will complain from time to time. <laughs> I will too, occasionally. <laughs> but, you know, Atlantic City didn't really have many dogs. Although, somebody out there is probably going to find one. I didn't set myself up for expectations either, and I kept my phone in my pocket. I have very little pictures from that. So I, I was definitely locked in. I took a few pictures. We were kind of a little bit far back to really catch the full light show. I mean, it was still cool. CK5 is unbelievable. And the light rig. Yeah, that new rig is really good. The new rig is just superb. Something about Atlantic City, it was kind of difficult dancing in the sand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that was like, like I said, dude, I'm still feeling that. and it's It's been a week. Dancing on the sand is is a much different animal than dancing on the lawn or even you know on pavement if you're if you're in the pavilion. So Jo, before we like get going today, we've talked about Joe a lot on the show, and when Joe passed away, I know it was obviously it's so stupid to talk about how hard that was on you, and still is, and we've lost other people. Um, how how much did that take away from the experience of going to music? Well, it really didn't change my musical preference. Of course, a huge chunk of my life was gone. You know, we went to a bunch of shows together. So I just kept going to shows. 
just didn't have him around. And, you know, I'm sure I shed a few tears during He's Gone or something like that, dancing to thinking of him. But, I mean, it really didn't change me musically at all because I was already on the path that I was on with The Grateful Dead. And, yeah, it didn't change much. It just, you know, it just sucked. Death sucks. I mean, we've kind of delved into that notion a little bit on this show. I was at a fish show when, when we found out that Joe had passed away. And we were in Miami on the 2003 New Year's run. It was, I mean, shocking, sad. The music was comforting, but also hurt. They played down with disease. They did a while my guitar gently weeps. It was, it felt very cosmic in that moment. I kind of leaned into it a little bit. And so I think that's why we were just a little bit curious how that, you know, that big piece of your life, especially because you guys had the music as a strong bond between the two of you for so long and really between the four of us. I mean, I only knew Joe for not a very long time, but as I've talked about before, he and you guys kind of took me under your wings as like a little brother and Joe always had a very special place in my heart because of that. He took me in very quickly um, as a very fast friend and family member and not seeing shows with him was hard for me. So for you, I'm sure that that it's even exponentially greater. But and not to you know take this thing down a, a sad road, but we have talked about him so much. He does have such a profound impact on our relationship with music, especially the Grateful Dead. He taught me so much about the Grateful Dead, as have you guys. And so we just wanted to honor him a little bit by talking about him and and his relationship with the music and then how that was, you know, a big part of the two of you. But yeah, can I, I was going to say, can I just tell a funny story about this guy? So sometimes like things get heavy. It's really funny. Joe talked like this. You know, we're Baltimore boys. But Joe, he talked like this, like I mean, J.O. can do it better. But, like, this one time, after a show in Hershey, no less, we stop at, like, a farm store or Wawa. And instead of getting, like, a sub or, like, chips, Joe goes in and buys, like, 10 ice cream sandwiches. And then it's like, you guys want an ice cream sandwich? You want ice cream? (laughs) Everybody in the car was like, fuck no, I don't want an ice cream fucking sandwich. It's like 1.30 in the morning. Why didn't you get, like, I don't know, a salami sub or something? Bag of chips. Right, he brings in ice cream sandwiches. I think I I had it. I had one. (laughs) Because I was so hungry. I think I had one also. Was that the mashed potato burrito show? That might have been. Josh sent me out after the show. He said, go get me a burrito, please. And I, or he said, go get me something to eat. Cause we saw people walking around with pizza and I saw somebody and they had burritos and I was like, Oh, I'll get a burrito. So I got a burrito. I took it back to Josh and Josh bites into it. And he's like, this is a mashed potato burrito. <laughs> the first couple bites, not so bad. The middle bites, it was like eating paste. <laughs> so if you're out there listening and you were the one, one making mashed potato burritos on Phil and Friends tour in what was that, 2001, 2002, yeah. keep those off the lot in the uh, <laughs> for current tours. Anyway, so as I said, we are here. This is episode 10. So J.O. is our guest. He is going to be stubbing Skinny and me down today. So J.O. has selected a show that he wanted to talk about, spend some time on. Skinny, you got anything else before we get to uh, get to today's show? No, I do not, man. I'm excited for this. Let's, uh, let's get this rolling. 
Right on. All right. J.O., are you ready to stub me and skinny down? I am ready to stub you down. J.O., why don't you tell us what show you got for us? The show I have is from August 22nd of 2015. It is the middle show of the Festival Magnaval. That's a pretty good show. Three sets of music plus a quote-unquote secret set that they played late night. Man, what a great weekend we had up there at Magnaball, man. How fun was were, were those three days? I think it's funny, too. J.O., you and I had planned on going. We were, we were hardcore on this. We had seen a bunch of shows in 2015. We had gone out to Chicago to see the Fare Thee Well shows, the Grateful Dead, and Trey played with them. Fish was playing inspired music that summer. Skinny, you were a, a late addition to the Magnaball trip. Well, that was began one of the hardest couple years of my life. The week before, speaking of birthdays, was my birthday. I had literally just moved out of my first wife's house, like our house, and moved into a one-bedroom apartment right down the road. Separated from my kids, uh, you know, it was a lonely spot, especially even though I had I was going to Merriweather, I think, that weekend. I think it was Saturday, Sunday. Does that sound about right? I'm not sure. Yeah, it was the 15th, 16th, I believe. Oh, yeah, Friday. okay. So, yeah, my birthday was on a Friday. So I moved into this one-bedroom apartment, and then the next two days we went to fish, which filled a void to a certain extent. But, I mean, once I got home to that place, it was like, ugh. And so once that weekend was over, it was settling into, I'm going back to work. I'm separated now. I don't know where things are going. I have two little kids at the time. I guess I was just rolling with where I was. I do know that you guys had said there was an extra ticket. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Based on, you know, the way that I just explained, like the way that I felt, I was like, ah, but I quickly got over my own feelings about that and was like, you know what, this might be a good thing for me to do, to be with two of my closest friends for a weekend festival where I'm literally just kind of forget about everything that's happening, which the reality of what was happening was pretty, pretty hardcore. It was not, it was not good. We were really happy. I remember when you said you were going, I remember J.O. and I were both thrilled because you know we saw you kind of wallowing and it was important to say you know what fuck all this let's go and rage it for a few days leave this behind for a little while it'll be there when you get back but that's for sure but you can go let's go have a good time I'm glad you made that decision yeah me too and it was cool like right when we got into the car you know it was we were on that mode and and I remember that Drive by the Little League World Series, reminds you when you're a kid and like you sucked at sports. And I don't know, it was a good drive up. I do remember being like, I'm in a space where I'm really comfortable and I don't have to worry about all that he said, she said stuff. And, and for anybody out there that's ever gone through a divorce, it does get easier. I feel like Dr. Phil. <laughs> and it's nice to be able to sink into something that can distract you for a little bit, which is definitely what we had here. And I, I do remember because J.O. and I were on the CID package. And so we had the room and transportation. You know, they give you a bus from the hotel to the venue and back. And that was the one concern we had was that you didn't have the access to the bus. And I was like, ah, fuck it. Well, you know, we'll sneak you on a bus. That first Friday show, 
was like, Jail, we're skinny. And he's like, I think he went down to get on the bus. He was like sitting on the bus for like 45 minutes before another person got on. Well, the guy was like, oh, we got to see, man. You know, I hate that line. And I'm like, look, bro, you know, it's like, I don't have a ticket for the bus. What do I got to do to get on here? I'm not trying to scam anybody. Just need to get on the fuck bus. Give me a ride. Give me <laughs> I a, need ride. a ride, bro. Like, what do you want me to Uber right now? So he was like, I don't know. So I just said, when he left, I just got on. They weren't checking anymore. And I, the rest of the weekend was no, cool. No, I believe you had a bag of beers with you, too. So I think you were set. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had a sack of beers with me. So I was like, hey, I can do this. <laughs> it wound up working out. It is true. I was, I was a little freaked out by that because, you know, CID can be stringent. You know what I mean? If you're not a part of it, they're like, you know, they can be. I mean, it, they have every right to be. But I was just glad to get on there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was cool. And then, of course getting on with the three of us and, and acting like everything was cool. You know, nobody really bothered yeah. us after that. That was the same – was that – that was the fuck the stereo? I was just thinking about that. Uh, no, that was Super Bowl. Was that Super Bowl? Yeah, it was Super Bowl when that girl told you to go fuck the stereo because you wanted to hear talking heads. Because, <laughs> yeah, you wanted to hear – what was it, Remain in Light? Or no, it was uh, Stop Making Sense, the DVD <laughs> that they were playing on the bus. No, that was Super Bowl. Different ball. A story for another time. All right, so we're at Watkins Glen International Speedway. It was the second Fish Festival that they had played up there. They had done Super Bowl that Skinny just alluded to. What a cool venue to see this band, man. Lots of room. You can really spread out on that field. They have the Ferris wheel. They had the laboratory. They had all these art installations, food, micro brews, uh, just a, a very, very cool setup. Um, but we are here to talk about the music. So you guys ready to get into this first set here? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, so uh, what we'll do is I'll go over the first set. Skinny's going to cover the second, and then I'll circle back around for the third set, and then we'll cover the secret set, quote-unquote secret set, um, the late-night set. So for August 22nd, the middle day of Magnaball in 2015, they opened the show. This is a day set now, so it was, I don't know, maybe 3 o'clock in the afternoon or so. They opened the show with Divided Sky. MoMA Dance into Mound, Army of One, Scabbard into Sample in a Jar, Two, Halfway to the Moon, Camel Walk, How Many People Are You, When the Circus Comes, Undermined into a set closing run like an antelope. In my estimation, a pretty solid day set. Day fish is a little bit different than evening fish and i thought i mean the divided sky was an 18 minute opener and it was actually about 17 minutes because there was a little bit banned they wished some dude eric a happy birthday i think they said he looked like brad sands the tour manager for the band but divided sky jo was one of those fish cannon tunes right it was written at the rhombus and it's part of game henge and how did you feel just with that first divided sky moma dance opener you got about 25 minutes of music there to get our day started i loved it i mean i thought it was a great way to open that saturday it was nice and sunny it was a beautiful we had beautiful weather that weekend weather was great and it had rained like all that week leading up and then like Friday afternoon, it stopped raining and was gorgeous the rest of the weekend. Yeah, but the, uh, you know, Divided Sky and the MoMA, I really love a MoMA dance, and that's just a great way to get the day set started. It was really nice. It's funny that you mentioned the rain at Watkins Glen because that's the whole thing about how, why Curveball got canceled. 
because it rained so much before Curveball. And tainted the water. Right. And I was on my way to Curveball when I found out it got canceled. I was in middle Pennsylvania and I had to turn around. We were getting ready to gear up and leave the next morning. We ended up having a, a three-day event here called Cancel Ball. Another story for another time, of course. But yeah, Divided Sky, Moma Dance, a nice groove to get into. And then the third song of this first set, Skinny, was Mound. The old man knows very well, and I know very well, that you don't like Mound. What is your problem with Mound, dude? It's actually a good song. The lyrics are fun. You can get into a little groove. Why don't you, you know, this is an arms crossed song for you. We're three songs into a day set, bro. It's just like I had an argument with the fan about it. It's like it's not. I think it's like off beat, off kilter. It's like when you hang a picture on the wall and it's like askew. This is how it sounds to my ears. The the beginning like clap in the offbeat, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. Cool audience crowd participation moment for them. Nah. I just can't do it. I I don't like anything about this song. Yeah, I would say this is uh this is number 1 for me. Really? Yeah, there there's a couple out there right now that I'm it's just hard to pontificate about how much I don't like this song. Well, the good news is is that you don't see it very frequently. I think <laughs> that is good. I think you've probably only seen it maybe even a handful of times. I know they played it in Charleston in 2019. They played it in Hampton, I thought, in, in 2018. 2018. So, you know, you're only talking maybe two times that you've seen it since Watkins. I love a mound. I, I have no problem with mound. J.O., are you a mound fan? I love a mound. I dig that offbeat and the clap and all that stuff. Yeah, it's just something fishy. I feel like yeah. it's got a little bit of that fishy component, but they can definitely jam it a little bit. I know, you're not quite the fishy guy if it's acapella, if it's, you know, ass-handed or whatever. Yeah, it's just, it. I mean, I get it. I don't want people out there to think that, like, a guy hates on all their shit. I do not. I get it. But, like, what do you want me to do? Throw, like, a bunch of, like, mound candy bars up in the air when they play this shit or something? Get super excited or, like, start saying, like, Almond Joy is better? <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a nut. That definitely is uh, the fish crowd. Sometimes you feel like a nut. So after the mound, they dropped into Army of One, nice page tune. Pages got my favorite vocals in the man so I love pretty much anytime Paige is singing I, I really like this this was just a quick run through and I really liked the soak it in while you can line from Army of One they get into Scabbard which is a Tranastasio band tune this was on Traveler this was only the second time and actually the last time Fish has played Scabbard they played it in Bend Oregon they had debuted a lot of new music in 2015 and that Ben show actually had a few debuts this was one of them I really like the studio version of this on Traveler as I've mentioned before Traveler was a very impactful album during a, a difficult part of my life the it's there can you see it line really kind of hits me and then there's a great piano solo at the end that Paige hits but again skinny I know that this was not something that you were very jazzed up to hear Especially, you know, we're, what, five songs into the set here. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I remember about this song was that some dude actually made, like, a cardboard scabbard and had jewels that he glued on it from Michaels or something. I'm like, that guy right there in front of us is a fan of this song. This I've never heard it before, and I was like, okay, there he is, the scabbard guy. 
So, yeah, no. <laughs> I had never heard that song before and or since. Man, I didn't know what it was. I've listened to it a bunch now. And I like it. I like it's catchy. No, no, thank you. I'm, I'm moving on. I mean, if this was a fight, <laughs> I'm getting knocked out in round two. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So, obviously, I think everybody knows where we're going. It's like, I didn't like this. <laughs> well, I'm glad I stubbed you down there, Skinny. Next tune, sample in a jar. Just a quick run through. This is a staple fish song. Pretty standard delivery here. Tube comes up next. It was about a four and a half minute version here. We have been lucky and we have seen some jammed out tubes. Skinny and I talked about one last season when we talked about fish at Hershey on September 15th, 2000. And they really jammed that out. This was not that. This was a very quick, short version. It does have a nice jam. Paige is on the clav. He's doing some fun stuff. But it was short. And I felt maybe they could have done something a little bit more with this. Skinny, you talked a little bit about the art setup that they had and how underutilized that was. Why don't you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, well, they had a laboratory. Knock on the laboratory door. Like... I'm sorry, this was a big swing and miss. I, I don't say this often when we talk about shows. They had to have known that. Like, if I was backstage and could say something to them, I would have said, man, you just wiffle balled that, man. You, you struck out. When that thing was lit up at night, it was sick looking. It, like, pulsated and had lasers coming out of it. The, the setup for that laboratory in the middle of the field was wild. Going up there, I think, in between the first and second set, that day I was like this is so cool we were like hanging out and watching people and it had like a, a almost like a balcony like a terrace that you could look out over the whole concert park which was really cool yeah it was awesome and then they play a four minute tube in the middle of the day okay so really Casey at the bat they struck out on that one you know what I mean they could have made everybody's night they could have had a a second or a third set tube that would have just been talked about forever. But I know that they're not like that. That's just something that they do. We talked about that with Craig on, on episode six. He's like, they'll fool you. You know, you go to the bathroom or whatever, and they'll play something that you thought was like your bathroom song. But this, like, sweet, a tube, when it begins, you're like, oh, something might happen, and then nothing. And then they abort it. And it's interesting, too, Skinny, because if you look at the set overall so far, the Divided Sky is about 17 minutes, the MoMA's seven, the Mound is six, the Army of One is under five, Scabbard is five, Sample in a Jar is five, the Tube is four and a half. We're not talking about a whole lot of improvisation in the first part of this set. So I can understand your difficulty, especially with the placement here. I thought they could have put it in maybe a, a more elevated position especially due to the fact that one of the centerpieces of the art installations was the laboratory, as you said. J.O., tube into Halfway to the Moon, into Camel Walk. Again, we're not talking about a lot of involved songs here. Um, and then How Many People Are You comes up next. Where are you about mid-set here? I'm digging it, personally. To tell you guys the truth, I didn't really pick this show because it was the most phenomenal sounding show of all time. I picked it because we were together at this festival and we just had a freaking blast. I just wanted to relive the good times that we all had together. Sure. You know, I'm loving it. I'm, you know, I don't care if they're fucking playing a tube and there's the laboratory and you know, I'm just dancing and it's the band, whatever they want to play, I'm into it, usually. 
So just enjoying this daytime set. Yeah, and, and Halfway to the Moon there, another Paige sung tune. I'm a big fan. I think Paige has the best vocals of anybody in the band. No, it did. They did Camel Walk, and then they do How Many People Are You, which is a Mike sung tune. This was only the third time they had played How Many People Are You, and this was another one of those songs that debuted in 2015 at Bend on July 22nd. So that was a pretty interesting show, the July 22nd show. And this is fun, but it continues that trend if we're if we're talking under seven, seven-minute tunes here in the set. And then they play When the Circus Comes, and that comes in at, you know, 6.15 here. What I did not know was that this When the Circus Comes was a Los Lobos cover. You didn't know that? I did not. That was a complete discovery for me. I did know that. That's interesting. I didn't know that you guys didn't know that. I didn't. Oh, I feel good about myself. You didn't know that? And interestingly enough, this was the last time I saw When the Circus Comes. You know, Skinny's like proud that he has some statistical knowledge over me here. <laughs> Gonna be hearing about this one for a while. No, you won't. No, you won't. I like When the Circus Comes. Yes, it's kind of this quiet, melodic, blissful tune, but Fish is the circus and we come to town, so I like it for that. The end of this set, real fire, undermined. And we had actually seen a really good Undermine the week before at Merriweather on August 16th. So we got a couple of good ones. Undermine is one of those tunes, Skinny, you talked a little bit about how much you liked Undermine, but Undermine is one of those tunes where they pack a lot into a seven, eight, sometimes nine minute jam. A little bit of a plinko we feel. I love the lyrical hijinks that they play here, but this was a really good one. And then they drop into this antelope, which... The Antelope is clearly far and away the highlight of this set. J.O., talk a little bit about this Antelope from your perspective and kind of how this felt capping off this first set. One thing I love about a festival Antelope, I think I've seen three of them, people just start running crazy. They run around crazy because they're running like an Antelope. And this version was just, it was fire. It was really good. And I just enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, they kind of veered away from the traditional Antelope at about five minutes and for two or three minutes this thing is like in outer space it's crazy i judge antelopes based on really two things what do they do with that build to the peak and then can they nail the drop this one hits all of those boxes they fucking nailed the drop it was imaginative, great energy, and I mean, what a superb way to close this day set, knowing we had a couple of hours to kill before they came back. Yeah, I was probably really excited that they closed it too, just thinking back, because it sets up the other two sets, and the way that my experience as a fan is going in set one is, ah, man, hmm. <laughs> the camel walk probably brought it back around for me because I, I love that too. I know J.O. loves that song. That probably was like, okay, wow, they're going to finish it. I love Circus too. And Undermine, my favorite one, which I just listened to recently, uh, was that Undermine from Miami New Year's run um, a couple years ago. I love Undermine too, and they do pack a lot in there. Fishman is just the star there always. It's really good to hear him uh, when they do an Undermine. I listen to him a lot. So I, I love the ending. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, now it's festival time. And I think Trey at the end of Antelope was like, thanks everybody, uh, yeah. everybody go get something to eat. We'll be back in a couple hours. So it's just a good feel. 
Yeah, with two sets left, I'm feeling pretty good. How can you not? So just to review the first set from day two of Magnaball, August 22nd, 2015, they opened the set with Divided Sky, MoMA Dance into Mound, Army of One, Scabbard into Sample in a Jar, Tube, Halfway to the Moon, Camel Walk, How Many People Are You, When the Circus Comes, Undermined into a set closing antelope. So a lot of fun couple heavy hitters here in the set with Divided Sky and Antelope kind of book ending the set. There's a difference between Festival Fish and Standard Show Fish, right? And I think obviously playing three sets is the first big indicator, but the way the band kind of stretches out, relaxes, develops a little bit more patience, those are things that you don't always get at a standalone show or even if they're doing a run of shows but they're in a particular venue when they're at a festival there's just feels like everything has a buffer around it and we're kind of in our own world and so I really like that and I feel like this set encapsulates that again we're not talking the only 10 plus minute tunes were the set opener and the set closer so nothing really involves nothing too exploratory they really set the stage for set two yeah so Let's just go over set two. I know what we're going to talk about in this set, but let me just review it anyway. So, opens up with a Wolfman's Brother, Haley's Comet, 46 days, backwards down the number line, Tweezer into Prince Caspian. When I think about this set, I think about the Tweezer Caspian. Because this is interesting. When we got back to the hotel that night, J.O. and I were talking to some guy who calls it fucker pants. And he was complaining about the fact that they closed the set with fucker pants after a really good tweezer. And if you remember, the tweezer had a huge glow stick war in it. I mean, it was off the hook. It comes in at 17. I've, I've seen, we just saw one, I think that was, rivals it, but the 2019 one in, in Madison Square Garden rivals anything. Oh yeah. But it, it's an amazing tweezer. And they set up the tweezer Caspian. I mean, they really set up the tweezer, I thought. The Wolfman's is great coming in. I like the set a lot. And the 46 days is, I mean, that's not a standard version. I mean, that's almost 15 minutes long. It's really spacey, too. I've never heard a spacey 46 days like that one. I thought, honestly, they were going to go into one like we saw it in. I was like, 46 days is going to take off here because they did get into some really spacey jamming. And I was like, this could go on for a half hour. Yeah, that 46 Days jam, it was really kind of a story of two jams, if you will. The first part was this dark, creepy, spooky, like strange sounds jam that they really kind of kicked in like right at about the five minute mark. And then it shifted into this more tranquil, blissful, patient jam that appeared afterwards. The drop into number line was really good. I look at this set and I imagine that when people evaluate this on paper, they're like, oh, that number line sitting there in the middle is the thing that people might have a problem with. Number line is... is The new thing to complain about. I feel bad for number line, to be honest with you. 
you're, I know exactly what you're talking about. There was like this big controversy in Atlantic City on Sunday night. They uh, they come out for the encore. They play a gorgeous fluff head, and then they play number line, and people are mad that they played one more song after fluff head. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, they should have been mad that they lost like two hundred dollars the night before on slots or something stupid. <laughs> I love that number line, Atlantic City. It was like. They didn't want to stop playing. They just wanted to keep playing. And at the end of a fish show, and what, what time was it in Lansing? It was like 11.30. It was late. Right, it was later. But uh, they just wanted to keep playing. I thought it sounded great. Uh, just stop complaining about Backwards Down the Number Line. Everybody knows what it is. They know that it's an important song, I think, for the historical aspect of a band. It is very important. Do they always play it the way you want to? We talked about it uh, on episode seven in Hartford. That was a very like delicate, patient, very melodic underscore jam as opposed to when Trey really hits the riff on the solo. You know, it can be played differently. I, I always look forward to, man, they might do something different with this. Chances are they won't. Then right out of that, you have an explosive tweezer towards what is you gotta know by time, especially nerds like us, like what time is it? You pretty much know like where the end of the set is. And if they're playing a tweezer after all, you know, even after five songs, one, two, three, four, four songs, you're like, oh, well maybe this is a five song second set. They're gonna end with a tweezer. Tweezer dropping there, you just know it's gonna be off the chain. The end of this set, the last two songs are like 33 minutes, I mean 34 minutes. It's incredible the tweezer it's certainly not the longest it comes in under 18 right but it is by far one of the top versions of tweezer that i have been in attendance for i absolutely love this version they get to the jam pretty quick about four minutes or so they are raging this thing skinny you talked earlier about the huge glow stick war that took place during this which i can vividly remember and i know you have that azn pick in your in your house of this glow stick war which yeah i bought it right after i mean i contacted her right after i think a week after we got back she had it and i was like i'm getting that canvas they were just doing some crazy stuff i mean trey was using the echo pedal a lot here gordon was doing some nasty stuff around seven minutes trey's playing like these off-key licks around eight minutes and it's just such a cool like tone and sound i feel like it's a little spooky and i feel like that was a little bit helped to maybe inspire a little bit of what they sound like now trey with that kind of like bullfrogish tone on his guitar there are threads going back to this tweezer and then the transition into Prince Caspian. Look, Prince Caspian is not like a favorite tune among fans. I think I recall in the group that we were in, there was almost like an audible groan that they had ripcorded the tweezer and gone into this Caspian. But even from the beginning notes of Caspian, it felt a little bit different. Caspian is usually this delicate, introspective. This was like shredding from the beginning. And then they get about five minutes in or so, six minutes in, and it's like, well, what are they gonna do? They kind of all dialed back. There was kind of like they were floating around. Are they gonna end Caspian? And then all of a sudden, boom, 
they take off, they coalesce around this groove, and then Caspian just explodes. This is the longest Caspian Fish has ever played. A lot of people say, oh, it's just a continuation of the tweezer from before. There's a tweezer tease in there, but I mean, it is just stupid good. All these people that always complain of calling it fucker pants, or, and I have no fucking idea how it even got that name, but everybody complained, and I said, you know what? Nobody's gonna fucking complain about this Prince Caspian. That's not true. Right, J.O.? I mean, what? <laughs> J.O. wanted to punch this guy yeah. in his face. <laughs> no, I'm, we're anti-violence. But, I mean, I was there. The guy was kind of a dick. <laughs> and then they bring this thing in. It has, like, a laser beam finish to close yeah. the set. I really, really dug this second set. I mean, you're talking an 11-minute Wolfman's, a 14-minute, 46 days, the Tweezer, and the Caspian. This is a power set right in the middle there. And again, I think this goes back into that festival fish. We only had a couple of songs in the first set that were extended. Now here you've got four of the six songs really kind of take a ride out there, so. And J.O., besides dancing your ass off to like that tweezer and the Wolfman's probably and the Haley's and everything, <laughs> tell me how you judge that. You, you could just talk about the Tweezer Caspian, talk about the whole set, like... Well, I love the set altogether. I mean, Wolfman's had a great jam in the middle of it, and... Wolfman's is a great vehicle, isn't it? It is. It always is. You know, and I'm not a big Caspian fan. I, I'm not one to complain. You guys never really hear me complaining about any songs, do you? Not really. But I'm not a real big Caspian fan, but this one was just phenomenal. Caspian is your character zero, I think, is yeah, what you told Caspian me offline. But I don't complain, but it was just amazing. I mean, it was an amazing set. It was really good. Yeah, so let me just review that second set. So it started off with the Wolfman's brother, Haley's Comet, 46 days, backwards down the number line, tweezer into, well, I'll just say the best Prince Caspian ever. <laughs> the best fucker pants ever. Yeah. It's the best. I think it's fair to say. I mean, they have jammed out. They have gone deep. They have done some different things with it, but... I don't think that anything they have done with the Caspian can match what they did here. Not that we are into rankings here on Stubby Down, but if you are not a Caspian fan and you have not heard the Magnaball version, go and give it a spin. It might change your mind, at least about Yeah, you might just this listen to this version. one and be like, I only like the Prince Caspian version from Magnaball. And I'd be like, fair enough. So we've covered two sets. The thing about a Saturday at a fish festival is that there's one more. Well, there's actually two more. But set three that closes out the formal part of the show opens with a meat stick into Blazon, into Possum, into Cities, into a Mind Left Body Jam, back into Cities, into Light, into 555, they take a quick pause and then jump into Waiting in the Velvet Sea into Walls of the Cave to close out the third set. And the encore is Boogie on Reggae Woman into Tweezer Reprise. The transitions from one song to another were really incredible. The Meat Stick, not necessarily a remarkable version here to open the set. Could have put a tube there. <laughs> I agree. I think that that would have been a great swap those tunes out and they could have taken it a little bit deeper. I mean, shit, they could have left the tube even under, you know, eight or nine minutes. 
and still made it work there. Blazon here is awesome. Blazon, another one of those 2015 debuts that we've mentioned. This was the eighth time that Fish had played Blazon. And again, going back to the week before when we were at Merriweather on August 15th, they played a real nice Blazon there. And this is a tune that I think very consistently since its debut, Fish has had a lot of fun with, and there are a lot of notable versions. We just got an incredible version in Deer Creek uh, a couple weeks ago. So really a strong tune here. The AC version was strong. I mean, I keep saying this. I know my wife hates the song, but she just hates the lyrics. She even said to me in AC, like, I like the rest of it. I was like, yeah, because they fly off the handle once they're done the lyrics but yeah it's a vehicle yeah for the most part i mean every time i see this it does not disappoint about the 13 minute mark they get into like a little bit of a blissful jam the 13 minute mark there's just this crazy furious build up it's just so good it just feels so good and then when they start to transition into possum the seg from blazon into possum was so fire and seamless they did it perfectly possum not very long here we're only talking about eight minutes but they get into a nice call and response with trey and page jo i know you are a big fan of possum talk a little bit about what possum kind of does for you it just sets me on fire i mean just the beginning counting it down and then the, the, the explosion and i've seen some wild glow stick stuff during possum too but it's just a, it's a rocker. I love it. it. Drives me wild. One of the things I think about with Possum is it does have a, a little bit of a Grateful Dead type of feel. I would liken this to maybe going down the road feeling bad. It's got kind of that train type of feel. And so this kind of, I would align with maybe something like that. As a, as a deadhead, is that a comparison that you see or? Yeah, I mean, when I first started listening to Fish, I noticed that with Possum, I'm like, that, that sounds Grateful Dead-ish. And I think that's why I like the song so much. From Possum, they go into one of, if not my favorite cover that Fish does, which is Cities, Talking Heads cover. I absolutely love Cities. We've seen some good versions, Skinny, the Miami one that we saw in the 2014 New Year's run. Amazing. This Cities is a little bit different, though, because of the Mind Left Body Jam that's in the middle of this. So I had to do some research here. I've been around Fish for a long time. I've been around the Grateful Dead for a long time. I've heard of the Mind Left Body Jam. So I decided I would read up the story. And this was all about this super group of Bay Area musicians in the middle of the break between Jefferson Starship and Jefferson Airplane. Go and read it on Fishnet. I'm not going to read the whole story to you. But... This is very clearly what they call a mind left body jam. The Grateful Dead never actually admitted that they ever played anything called mind left body. They actually, as you read the fishnet story, they on, what was it, dozing at the neck, they had a mud love buddy jam that they threw in there kind of making fun of this whole thing. But it is very cool at the end of this city's you can clearly hear it. It took me a minute to figure out what that is. I'm not necessarily the greatest at identifying those things, but everybody always gets so amped up because you know, essentially it's fish covering the Grateful Dead, right, Skinny? Yeah, I mean, I hear it, 
I listened to it on the way here for this record because I had to do some homework. It's the outro to it, but the outro is like three to four minutes of it, so it's really amazing. And then it transitions like quickly into a pretty long light, which, sorry fellas, not, I don't like light either. I don't know why this is, everybody's gonna fucking shit on me after this episode, I don't care. The value of light is obvious. It's a really, really great jam vehicle. And I've seen probably some highlights of that song. And it's probably, for me, what happens is it's a little bit overplayed. And that's because you just have the experience of seeing it so many times in a certain era or a certain timeline that you're catching shows on. I wouldn't say I hate it. That's just such a strong word, but the cities itself is so good. And then I always have these air disappointments. I guess you guys don't, J.O. You don't, you don't get disappointed with anything. No, I normally don't. I really enjoy, if I'm at a live show, I'm into it unless they're like off key or something like that. And I think you're right about the light. It is a great jam vehicle and that's why I really like it. I know, I, everybody, <laughs> I'm starting to think like, Maybe after the season. Gee, Skinny, I'm starting to think I shouldn't have stubbed you down to this show. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. And he might have made a comment to me like, oh, man, I hope he doesn't pick Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think there is a large portion of their catalog I don't like. I, like. And I'm okay with that for everybody else, too. I, I mean, I'm starting to find out about that myself. That was the way it was. The Grateful Dead had catalog that I preferred not to hear. I mean, that's okay. I, it's the same conversation we had earlier this year about people just getting into it and being, quote unquote, like noobs. Yeah, noobs are kind of, you know, uh, you don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, does anybody know what they're talking about when they first start doing anything? I don't think they know what they're talking about even when they've been doing it for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> So again, this is not, you like light, that's great. I, I would definitely not ruin your good time by saying, I don't like this song. But it's just not one of my favorites. And they always take it out there. They usually take it for over like a 10 minute ride. Yeah, light is a tune that they debuted in 2009. It is always a great jam vehicle. And I won't say I hate it. I could take or leave the main part of the song. You know, uh, I would put this in the Church of Trey category. But this song really never disappoints when it comes to the jam. This, again, it's kind of like a two-part jam. It's a little bit blissful and introspective at the beginning. And then they take this kind of dark turn. The last three minutes of this thing are like out there, what does space sound like type of theme there. So I really do like the jam part of this, but if we could just skip over the, I can see the light between me and you and there's light everywhere in my mind and J.O. and everybody <laughs> yeah right exactly but the light goes into 555 not everybody really likes 555 I don't really know of a lot of people that actually like 555 but everybody likes to when it's 555 on your phone like you're sending screenshots of that to all of your friends. Or you're seeing it on a license plate or something like that. <laughs> right. We were driving from somewhere and a building was numbered 555 and I took a picture of it and sent it to everybody. No, it was at the man show. The building across the street was 555. My niece got married. This was a couple years ago and we had orange school buses take us to the from the hotel and the bus I got on was 555. I think I sent it to everybody. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it, 555 is one of those, I think. 555, 555. I don't know. I, I think like he says tune. 555. I like the tune. I absolutely like the tune. Skinny, I think. Do you like this tune? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't it does not bother me. It was a real nice clean seg into 555. I like the bass line. This is one of those like sugar shack type tunes where it feels different when it starts and then when they start singing or they get to the chorus, it's like Uh, wait a second where did where did this go wrong but i do i I don't have a problem with 555 555 whatever the fuck you want to call it um but they debuted this i was at the debut this was in atlantic city in 2013 on halloween we've seen a couple good versions it's not like it really goes out there trey peaks this one a little bit there's you know soaring licks that he plays towards the end they take a break after that they drop into velvet sea and then they play Walls of the Cave to close out the set. And this was another one that we had seen at Merriweather the week before, another really strong version. I'm a big fan of Walls of the Cave. We've talked about this before. I've actually heard some people don't like Walls of the Cave, which is weird. Walls of the Cave, Skinny, you actually made a great point about this when we talked about it a few episodes ago, that it usually comes at the end of like a first set. And so here it's capping off the third set this is a really tight version too. So, you know, we're we're wrapping up the show. How do you feel about this as as kind of the the stamp at the end of these three sets? I mean, obviously we still have the encore to get to, but I think it's a great way to close out the show. And I do like Walls of the Cave too. I think it's good placement here to end that show. Yeah, well, and I think it saves them from having to stamp it at the end of the first set on Sunday. And they can kind of play around with the set list on Sunday the way they want to, which is what they did. I, I like Walls, and a 10-minute version of that is good, you know? And anything over that, too. I mean, they're going to be going a little bit harder with it. Yeah, for here, this particular version of Walls feels good in this slot. I don't know if I would, after this set, have put that there. Right. I thought they could have maybe... Put a tube there. <laughs> <laughs> they could have put, yeah, they could have put a tube in a lot of space. They a could 10 have, minute tube. They could have done a first tube right, right there, you know, especially coming out of the Velvet Sea. You know, the 555 was groovy. The Velvet Sea brings it down, and whatever, it's Velvet Sea. It's nice, it's soaring, touching, whatever. But to pull everything back together, the Walls of the Cave, I think, is one of those tunes that takes a little bit of time to develop. Maybe they could have put something that kind of hit right away at the end of this set. That would be my one critique of this particular set. I I like it. This is a great version. I'm not shitting on Walls of the Cave. I love Walls of the Cave. This is a great tune and and a preferred one for me. But the encore is Boogie on Reggae Woman. That goes into Tweezer Reprise. Interestingly, and I don't know about your, your, you guys and your statistics, but this Boogie on Reggae Woman in 2015 was the last one I've seen, which I was surprised about that, as was my wife, who loves this. It's a nice, quick, funky jam. And then obviously Tweezer Reprise, Tweezer Reprise, for my money, is the best four minutes in rock and roll that has ever existed. I don't care where they play it. Tweezer Reprise is the most high-energy live music that I have ever and probably will ever see. What a great way to bring this whole thing down. 
we know what's funny about that is now you're hearing tweezer reprise like on the NFL network and shit. I mean, we the Super Bowl that it, yeah, Fox you know, Sports on the outro. Yeah, well, and stuff. Jake Jolly is a big fan who was at Atlantic City. He is the one that does that stuff, and I mean, he's not dumb. Tweezer reprise, what a way to have. I kind of wanted them to do that for like the high school that I work at, man. Play Tweezer when they come out, bro. Like they won't know what hit them. They'll be like that, man. Listen to that. They're pumped up. So I love that because it reminds me of a pep rally. And it's Saturday night. It's the very last song, quote unquote. And we'll see you tomorrow. Get ready. You know, I love when they send you off with that. And there's another either part of the run or part of the festival or you're going tomorrow night, whatever it is. I love when they send you off with that. I was very happy to hear this on Saturday in the encore spot instead of them saving it for the last thing I play on Sunday. They did the same thing in Atlantic City last week. They played it on Saturday instead of holding it until Sunday. So I'm a big fan of that. And it was a big surprise for people. They were like, oh, Tweet Prize. Like, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. I mean, they did it Saturday. I was like, I'm glad they did Well, I think there's this expectation that that is the, the pinnacle, right? And so Fish would save the pinnacle for the very last notes that they play. And I like when they put that in the middle and then, you know, another day coming back. So let's go back. Let's take a quick look at set three from Magna Ball Day 2, August 22nd, 2015. They opened the third set with Meat Stick into Blazon, into Possum, into Cities, which included a Mind Left Body Jam. Cities went into Light, into 555. They took a quick break, then picked up with Waiting in the Velvet Sea into a set closing Walls of the Cave. And they encored Saturday night with Boogie On into Tweezer Reprise. Great transitions in this set. Really very impressive. We didn't get really too in-depth, as we said, in the first set. But the second and third sets really had a lot of room. They had a lot of comfort. It felt patient as these jams developed. There were not a lot of technical flubs. I mean, they were very sound and tight. And the music was just so good. Now, maybe the set list construction and selection of songs didn't hit Skinny as well as maybe a different day of this festival. But what they did play was pretty good. And I was happy because there was no Horner Character Zero this entire day. So I went home happy. Well, I was happy no matter what. I mean, you're always going to find coins that you need for the dryer, I guess, like in the... (laughs) Cushions of your couch. Cushions of your couch, right? It all kind of works out because of that. You're going to see a fish show. I am definitely of the ilk where I'm not a fluffer. I don't like everything. Um, And that was the same way with every other band that I've ever either seen, listened to, or witnessed, whatever the case may be. Some stuff's just not going to hit you right. But, I mean, you're going to find those things that are really, really good. And the second set, that Tweezer Caspian, that's pretty monumental to see that. It was, and with you guys, so that's what makes the difference for me. I'm just glad that uh, I saw the best Caspian ever. Because now, when I hear it, I pay attention to see if it's going to top that one or get near that one. Although I haven't seen one lately that has done that. And the Tweezer was just, that second set was amazing. It was just a fun show. Isn't that the mark? You have this experience, and then it kind of changes your impression of that tune 
kind of moving forward. And it doesn't mean you're going to love every version of it, but you might listen to it a little bit differently, right, when it, when it makes an appearance. This show in particular gives us the opportunity to do that. Skinny, you're not a big fan of light, but this jam is top-notch. 555, not a lot of people really like that tune, but the transition from light into 555 is top-notch. The cities into the light is top-notch, and like I love cities, so it dives into a light. Oh, okay, that's an interesting choice. I'm not like, yay, hooray. Uh, that transition is really cool. They bleed out of that and then just they go right into it. Yeah, I never have a problem with their chops. And then at that point, you just have to wait out the formal part of the song right? until they get into the jam. And that really is, I think that's the definition of a jam vehicle. And look, Fish can make, they made fucking Lawn Boy a jam vehicle. They can make anything a jam vehicle. I think that that applies more specifically to songs that you might not like as an individual. Once they get into the jam, you're like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. And so Light, I think for me, is a jam vehicle. Walls of the Cave for some people is a jam vehicle. They might not necessarily like the formal part of the song, but like the jam out of it. Backwards down the number line. A lot of people don't necessarily like the formal part of the song, but Fish has taken that out for a ride on a number of occasions with very passionate and strong versions of that song. And yes, it's in the preferred songs of Tweezer and Cities, but it's also in you know some of these other songs that might not necessarily be as preferred in a set list. Of course, one of the interesting things about a Saturday at a Fish Festival is... The worst kept secret around. And that is the secret set. The first secret set that I saw was the Tower Jam at It. And Fish comes out and they play on the top of like the control tower at this old airport in, in Maine. That was very cool. We saw the storage jam at a Super Bowl Festival. Here we get the drive-in jam. You know, we knew it was coming. It was funny because a lot of people, J.O., had kind of cleared out. Like, there was not the entire festival crowd still hanging out when the drive-in jam began. No, there wasn't. It cleared out substantially because where they had the drive-in jam set up was underneath the stands for uh, at the racetrack. And it was really cool, that screen that just kept changing. And it was a really cool setup for that, for the secret set. Yeah, I remember it had, like, an aquarium at one point. Another point, I swear to God, it was like the Arctic, and there was like a wolf with like the moon. There's all kinds of shit. Yeah, there was like interplanetary visuals and stuff. Eventually, you could see the silhouette of the band behind. And it started out as like this. They were just kind of all like making weird sounds on their instruments. And then after about 10 or 15 minutes, it did kind of coalesce into a jam. Obviously, it was super improvised, but it was a groove. And they did kind of find a channel to kind of pull the music together and it was a fun you could dance to it it wasn't just like a bunch of noises like i mean they always kind of coalesce around a jam in these secret sets but the tower jam i think will forever and always be my favorite secret set ambient jam that they've played i'm gonna put the drive-in jam at two and then the storage jam would probably be three if i'm ranking those not that we're into rankings here on stub me down but the drive-in jam i thought was really good it was a dark spacey groove 
the climate kind of changed too, which made that even a little bit more spacey, I felt like. And then, you know, you're walking out of the, the whole concert park at the end, and, and it's just like a wasteland. I mean, I remember kind of looking at my watch because we had that bus to catch to get back. And yes, they did let Skinny on the bus coming back. <laughs> yes, they did. They didn't even blink an eye. They're like, get him on here. I liked that whole setup all weekend. I mean, the screen was on all weekend, so it wasn't like... There was no real secret to it. I mean, it was right there, so that was great. Yeah, that's why I would have loved Curveball. I saw some of the setup that they had for Curveball, like saw some pictures, and it looked like it was gonna be really fun and really cool, and it's just a shame it didn't happen because the setup at Watkins Glen, it's a perfect place for a festival. It's pretty spread out and large and expansive. I mean, I again, just like Atlantic City this past weekend, I didn't feel crunched in. And, and I know that, that Friday night, we were pretty up close. That guy like rolled up my ankle, like it was NFL training camp. The show hadn't even started on Friday night. His glasses were like all knocked askew. I was like, hey buddy, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I was like, take it easy, you he, know? He had too much too fast. Yeah, he, he, he definitely had to give him a take it easy because he really needed to take it easy. <laughs> I hope you're all right, whoever you are, classes guy. Overall, man, the Magnaball Festival was such a great day. There is a funny story that took place between the last set, the last formal set, and the drive-in jam where we were hanging out with a bunch of internet friends, and we were crewed up. We had we were rolling deep at that point. We had kind of people that had been spread out throughout the concert park kind of all came together as we were waiting for the drive-in jam, and I remember one of our friends was leaning on a beach ball or something like that, one of these big beach balls, and he said something stupid, and Skinny was like... I'm going to stab that ball right out from under you. One comment, and then all of a sudden, everything for the next day and a half was, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> Skinny is wearing a shirt right now with Hawaiian punch guy. the Hawaiian punch guy stabby. holding a knife, and it says stabby. And from there, this whole stab theme grew. I, am I getting that story right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I said that. It was Herb. Herb, if you're out there, I, he could probably help us clear up this story, but like, he was being stupid, and I was like, God, I wish I had a knife so I could stab that beach ball or whatever. And he thought that was like the funniest thing I guess he'd ever heard. And then everybody talked, you know, about stabbing people they don't like. I mean, that's the part about this show. It's deeply personal. <laughs> No one got stabbed. No one got. It got a little bit weird too, because then people were like playing around with that word, and it's not necessarily a word in a crowd of people that's that's really good to use. Right. We just started saying it. I I don't know why that was funny. I got. And then of course, the Sunday show they open with punch you in the eye. Punch you in the eye. So of course we changed that to stab you in the eye. (laughs) I mean, if you watch Game of Thrones, like maybe. We were the inspiration for that. <laughs> the late night set at Magnaball was the inspiration for Game of Thrones. So good times. That was really, uh, it's really funny. And we met a lot of new people there uh, that, you know, we care about and that we see occasionally. And, you know, even though they're acquaintances, like it's stories like that that 
I don't know. You can tell that story a thousand times. Everybody has a different variation on it, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. What a great day. What a great weekend. Obviously, we had the Sunday show that followed. If you have not listened to Magna Ball, I don't know what you're doing as far as your fish fandom, but go and check it out. Start with the Friday night. Listen straight through. There's some magic that happens uh, over the course of those three days. I was just so happy to be there, man. And you know what? Even more so, I was happy to do it with you guys. You know, my wife had been, she was my girlfriend at the time. She was supposed to come. She couldn't because of work. It worked out that it was a boy's trip and talk about a memorable one. You know, this was this was really one of the last boy's trips that the three of us have taken. We saw a lot of great music. We had a lot of laughs. We met a lot of cool people. There was actually um, the first day we met two dudes that were named Jason and Josh oh, and we were hanging out with them the one dude actually got mad at me because I kept singing along to all the songs and he said can you just let Fish sing it and I was like sorry bro oh, he, was, he was that guy <laughs> he was that guy I was that guy I guess but he was also that guy but what a great time I'm so happy J.O. that you had the opportunity to be with us to stub us down today we are forever grateful for your friendship you know, we just love you so much. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much. It was really, you know, this was great. Love being with you guys. I love you guys. We love you too so much. So I just want to make sure that I am expressing my love for J.O. and Josh as well. Next time, uh, if I stub you down again, I'll try and pick something with some songs that Christian actually likes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Good luck. That's all I'll say. <laughs> All right, Skinny, you got anything else before we wrap this one up, my friend? The last episode of our second season. Hey, I want to say thank you to you. This has been an unbelievable ride. We don't share this when we release episodes, but you know, Skinny and I both have editing and production responsibilities. Skinny has edited and produced several episodes from this season. He has done an amazing job. I couldn't be prouder to do this podcast with you. The work we've done, the friends we've made, the things we've talked about, the memories we relived uh, have been incredible. And I can't wait to do it again for season three, man. Well, I'm just as thankful. And I have a lot of gratitude for you for having the patience to put up with my old dog, new trick shit. I keep learning more and more, not only about myself, but also about my friendship with Josh and then other people that we're friends with and like what means a lot to us on this show. And I feel like we're we're ready for another season. So hold on to your hats for that. But I do want to mention now that we're in episode 10, there's a lot that's happened this year as far as our partnerships. The one amazing thing that's happened is we are now part of the Lot by Primal Soup. So we are actually on the Lot by Primal Soup. So if you go on Couch Lot or you go on the Lot by Primal Soup.com, you will find a link to not only this episode, but all episodes we've ever done, plus all the purveyors. Want to give a shout out right now to Foodie Kits. I don't know if you guys have seen this stuff. They're on the Lot by Primal Soup with us now, too. So it's great to be part of a family. But Foodie Kits are like these really cool shirts that everybody's wearing this summer. It's amazing. And you can get them personalized. You just got to reach out to Foodie Kits over there. I saw a lot of people on tour that had them in AC. We hope to get a couple of those pretty soon. I don't know if, if it's form-fitting. Man, I'm going to have to cut back on the Miller lights, dude. It's going to be a problem. 
Hopefully they got like a quadruple XL over there. I mean, you know, that midsection just it needs I'm no Ronaldo. Let's just say that. We're also in partners with Fan Designs by Scott Mitchell. That's uh, at Fan Designs, P-H-A-N-D-E-S-I-G-N-Z. Ends with a Z. It makes it cooler. He's got great stuff from all across the jam band scene. Shirts, hats, stickers, whatever you need. Talk to Scott Mitchell. His shipping is quick. It's fast. It's great to see Scott and uh, his wife Casey up in AC, man. It was awesome to hang out with them. They got to hang out with us for a show. And he was actually sporting some of the some of the gear he had that Spafford had. That was pretty sweet, too. Yeah, he did. And you know what? They went and saw Spafford. I wish I would have connected with them. They played a late night show there, right? I actually saw it. Oh, you did? How was yeah. it? It was really good. I didn't. I wasn't there for the entire thing, but I was there for a little while. It was packed. It was a great venue. It was fun. It was at the Wild Wild West, right? Yeah, ah, right, right next to Bally's. God, man, when you get this old, you're always missing shit. But you know what? I'm sorry. I, it's tough for me to make a post-show show. <laughs> you know, I, my advanced age, my concern is uh, a slice sleep. of pizza <laughs> and sleep. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, like... You know, we were walking like eight, ten miles a day up and down the boardwalk. So, yeah, I'll tell you the poster line. Oh my God, back and forth on that boardwalk. I feel like I know it so well. Last company we want to mention is Jamazon.com. They have amazing hats. Josh and I wear those things all the time. We've been wearing them in Atlantic City. You might have seen us too on their website or their Instagram page. We've kind of been promoting them, and they've been promoting us. So that's great. If you're listening or a first-time listener and you haven't been around. Jamazon.com has great stuff. And I just found out their LED beach balls, which I wish they were in AC, but who knows what happened. You've been talking about these beach balls for like three episodes. I know, but now they're ready to ship and they're going out like, I hope to have them at Dick's. You know what I mean? So Grab us some for Dick's. I will. And the thing is, is they do other things. So you have to look on their website too. Like we love Jamazon. They love us. So we are so happy and thankful and have so much gratitude, not only for each other, but for also for our partnership. So please stick with us. You'll probably get some new episodes coming down the pipe, too, and we'll always have these partnerships. So please listen till the end so that you can find out what's going on with them. And, Josh, that's all I got as far as, like, who we're with and what we're all about and all that stuff. The partnership with the Lot by Primal Soup being now a part of the lot. Fan Designs, Scott's amazing. Amazon, we're kind of hitting some of those boxes that we wanted to at the beginning. You know, we want to be part of the community. We want to support the community. It's just been so much fun, man. We are forever grateful. Thank you so much for checking us out here on Stummy Down. Jason, thank you so much for joining us here today. We are very happy that we were able to do this. Talk about a great show. Much love to you, and and thanks for being with us. Virginia Slims, baby. We've come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. This was great. Love being with you guys. I love you guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Keep checking us out. We'll have some special episodes dropping before season three. If you want to continue the conversation with us, be sure to check us out on Twitter. We are at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. Once again, thanks for listening to Stub Me Down. And we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Thanks, Joe. Later, everybody. Great season, Josh. Love you, brother. Love you too.